Hello and welcome back to the Polaris Travel Health Podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us this week. Today, we're going to be, Jaden and I are going to be talking about Hajj pilgrimage to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, we thought this might be kind of an interesting one to cover as those who are planning to make the pilgrimage this year are likely beginning to prepare given that the 2022 Hajj will begin the evening of July 7th and it ends the evening of July 12th. Uh, so first, I thought it might be important to discuss some of the new restrictions uh, related to COVID, of course. Yeah, there's always going to be something new related to COVID. And, <laughs> of course. And, and knowing, knowing sort of, you know, the background of what Hajj is and, and the number of people we're talking about, certainly, uh, um, you know, the idea of it being a, um, a concern is, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely there. So uh the way I understand it, and a lot of this is also your advanced research too, Jaden, which we <laughs> have to mention, uh, you need to be vaccinated, which I think is, is kind of not shocking information. <laughs> but um, uh, I think where where we're at right now is the recognized vaccines are, are AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer. Some of the, the Chinese vaccines like the Sinopharm and Sinovac, they're acceptable, but I think you had it in there that you would need to get a booster when you when you arrive of one of the other four. Is that right, Jane? Yes. Yeah. They said that that one will be administered basically upon your arrival. Okay. And then um, there's no need for any kind of quarantine. You must uh, you must have all your application stuff in order and a negative negative PCR test, and you also have to you know make a personal statement that you don't have any any symptoms. And I think what there's also mask wearing is expected as well. Um, does that sort of match up with what you've um, uh, you you've researched, Jaden? I think that's sort of consistent with what I what I've seen so far. Definitely, yeah. And the the mask thing has been recommended for a long time, but now it's kind of compulsory, especially for entrance into any of the sort of indoor spaces. But yeah, they have basically what it appears to be like an arrive can application that you need to fill out prior to your arrival that has all of your sort of like required vaccines and stuff in it. Yeah, well, it makes sense because, you know, in the past at our clinic, we've definitely seen people that are preparing for Hajj. And there's a couple things about it. One, there are there are some very specific steps that you need to make sure you're you're on top of. But the other thing I'm always impressed with, I'm always impressed with just the sheer level of organization. Like everything is everything is set up. Like they've got this down to a science. Like having you know millions of people show up for a brief period of time and and making it all work and making it all happen. Uh, so they, certainly they've got the processes in place there and 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 that sort of thing. So from an organizational standpoint. It's pretty good. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's definitely very well, well organized. So what other types of restrictions exist for travelers in terms of vaccination and that sort of thing? So there's a couple things out there. And, and I, uh, you know, I think the a couple of the things when you're thinking about vaccines, the, probably the first one to talk about is meningitis. So you need to be vaccinated against men- meningococcal meningitis to get in and you need a dose of the quadrivalent vaccine, so one that covers A, C, W, and Y variants, and you need to have it done within the last three years. So that is doesn't matter where you're coming from, Canada, you're coming from, in, you know, any other country. That meningitis vaccine is required. So just to sort of talk about that, you do need to have paperwork to even before you get your visas. So I know, you know, in our clinic, 
we've had people coming in and, you know, we've provided them with paperwork. Uh, it's not the same card as the yellow fever card, which is given out. We basically just write them a letter on our letterhead. And then we have a note saying with all the identifying information of the person, the day they were vaccinated and, and stamp it and sign it. There's no standard vaccination form, but something like that has, has worked in the past and you got to have it. And just to sort of explain the why of that, there have been several outbreaks during Hajj in the past where people have died from meningitis. And because of the fact that this type of meningitis is spread through you know, coughing, sneezing, being in close contact can definitely be a concern. And then the other part of it too is that when you look at the meningitis belt in Africa, people coming from that part of the world, uh, there's a lot of people that are Muslim in that part of the world that would be traveling. So Probably, realistically speaking, when there have been outbreaks, it's probably been more likely that it's come from pilgrims that have been coming from that part of the world. But that being said, that you know, every, they want everybody protected. So does that makes sense. Definitely, yeah. There's. It seems like the the visa process is quite. They're quite on their game about what their restrictions are. There's no. There's no real exceptions for anything. Yeah. And so there's, so that's pretty much a thing, like I said, from a perspective of say a Canadian traveler, that's what you'd be looking at. There are a couple other vaccines that can be on the radar screen as well. Yellow fever vaccination is required for people that are coming from a yellow fever country only. So Mm -hmm. this is not relevant for Canadians or Western Europeans or Americans, but you certainly, if you're coming from sub-Saharan Africa and you know, any of the countries basically South south of the Sahara Desert, all the way up to, you know, pretty much that uh, sort of Zambia type area. So there's, there's, that covers a lot of area. You would need to have yellow fever vaccination. Same thing with countries in South America, you know, your Brazils and your Bolivia and Ecuador and, and you know, other countries sort of in that, the junglier part of South America, they would need to be vaccinated for yellow fever. And another vaccine which can be relevant is polio. Again, not relevant for Canadians or most travelers from most Western countries. But if there are areas, if you're coming from a country where there could be some polio, there's really only a couple countries left at this point, you know, Afghanistan and Pakistan for wild polio. But there's been uh, recent concerns about vaccine-derived polio in some countries. There could be some restrictions there. But generally speaking, if you're, again, looking at it from sort of a Canadian uh, pilgrim point of view, not relevant. Right. And most people would would be vaccinated for that, yeah. Anyways, right. But okay. um, when when they start talking about the polio vaccine for this purpose, they'll want you to have it done within twelve months. Right. Right. Okay. And what other types of diseases could you potentially contract doing the Hajj pilgrimage? Um, well, you know, I think the what you're really looking at is is you know you've just got a lot of people really close together. And so, you know, respiratory type infections, you know, other types of skin infections, intestinal, these are not unusual. The flu is a thing, you know, a flu shot is kind of a good recommended thing uh, for going on on this. And, you know, pneumonia, I believe, according to the info that you had gathered, is the number one reason for hospital admission. That sounds about right. You know, tuberculosis would be a concern as well, just you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what the numbers are like on that, but it just stands to reason it's a very transmissible disease and through, you know, close contact. So that would be a thing. Then, you know, traverse diarrhea always be a, a concern in this part of the world. Even, even if you're staying in relatively 
deluxe accommodations, I think there still would be a concern. And then other things like typhoid and hepatitis A certainly risk risks there as well. Cholera, I think a historical risk, I think as long as you're drinking reasonable sourced water, bottled water, that shouldn't be as much of a concern. Also from a mosquito standpoint, typically speaking, there's not a lot of concerns, but maybe in some of the surrounding areas, it could be an issue, but we're not typically too worried about, you know, dengue, that sort of thing, typically speaking. Yeah, it said that there was there was some presence of that particular mosquito in the surrounding areas, but not particularly in in the specific area where the pilgrimage takes place. So that they kind of just said, like, you know, daytime insect precautions, being careful, but that there were other sort of like more major concerns than that. Yeah, I think when you start trying to prioritize like what what's risky, I, I don't think of that. I can't remember there ever being a situation where there's been a, you know, I, I'm not going to suggest I'm an expert medical historian on, on Hodge, but I don't ever remember a situation where there's been a mosquito related, you know, outbreak of anything that I can, that I can recall at least. Right. Right. So what other types of concerns might exist aside from those types of things? Well, you know, there's a, there's a few, I think that uh, we've always got to think about. And I think, you know, heat is obviously a concern. We're talking about hot, you know, 40 plus degrees and it is a physically demanding thing. So, you know, hydration is important, but it's just, you know, you've got people going that are, you know, young, old, some more healthy than others. It's, it's, it's you know, it, it's a risk. The heat is pretty severe and pretty intense. There's also risk of stampeding, you know, with different, just things can sometimes just get a little out of hand and people, you know, stuff can happen and all of a sudden a bunch of people are trampled. So that's always a concern. And then, you know, the other thing I think, you know, always want to talk about is is MERS and, and MERS is, you know, Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome. And it's like very COVID-y, <laughs> basically. And <laughs> uh, we know that it's a concern in this part of the world. And 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 I, I would definitely have concerns about that now spread in a much similar manner to COVID. And again, you're in a very, you know, a close, there's a lot of, not a lot of physical, not a lot of opportunity for social distancing on, on this trip. Right. Yeah. They say on, on the website that social distancing is encouraged, but I'm not sure that when there's 3 million people oh, in the area, that that's a technical possibility. <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen pictures. I'm just like, I don't know if there's any possible way that could happen, but anyway, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's, I think the, um, the stampeding thing is, is a big concern. I think there's a lot of, it, it seemed that there was concerns about some areas where there's bottlenecks and that sort of thing. And it can be really difficult, uh, to evacuate people. Should there, should there be something that happens? Oh yeah. I think, you know, when we start talking about, you know, the planning and the organization of all this, it's really good, but I just think that there's limits on what you can plan for and there are situations where things just there's a lot of people and it just you know there's sometimes it's an unavoidable thing that sometimes people you know a couple people get trapped and trampled and then it just feeds on each other and there's panic you know i'm yeah i am i could it's not hard to connect the dots how this could this could happen and kind of be like i said the unavoidable to a degree definitely yeah so what other types of recommendations do you normally make or would you make to somebody that you see as a patient that is going on the Hajj pilgrimage? I think there's a few things to think about. You know, um, 
some of it's really obvious, right? Like typical traveling mm-hmm. stuff, like things like hand hygiene and, and, and sunscreen and, you know, avoiding any kind of contact with animals and drinking fluids and, you know, try to arrive a little bit early to get a little bit acclimatized. Another thing, which I know I, you had prepped up in your, in your um, advanced research, typically speaking, what ends up happening at the end of Hajj is, is that men will shave their heads and mm-hmm. the concern there would be that you want to use an authorized barber because you just there is always, you know, I suppose, a risk of hepatitis B from contaminated shaving instruments. So I would, uh, you know, that would be something to to consider for sure. And you know, I know the animal slaughter that that's something I'm not really. I can't speak to too much per se, but I think that you know there's abilities to do proxies that you can hire. I think that is something that maybe you'd want to consider. And then I think, you know, the other thing is just make sure you take care of your existing medical conditions, right? Like make sure you've got enough of your other meds and everything like that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think uh, with, with the hiring of somebody, there is sort of various services where you can sort of um, have somebody essentially do it in your name and then you avoid sort of any contact, direct contact with, um, with the animals themselves. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And that's kind of from what I've read before, I, that's kind of what I get out of it. So yeah, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway. Yes. And then there's a lot of a lot of men, I would assume, who are not used to being bald, uh, who would really need to watch out for, for getting sunburns on top of their heads, which I think is would be a pretty big pretty big thing as well definitely i think that's a that's a consideration as well for sure so yeah you know it it's there there's just a bunch of things like i think you have to just think about you know it's it's a big event and it's a big important life event for a lot of people but and there's there's a lot of things that you need to think about and keeping your group together and everything like that but yeah just you don't want to forget about some of these health considerations too Mm because there is access to medical care there but you know just like anything else i'd always rather not get sick or start with or injured to start with as opposed to having to rely on the fact that you can get taken care of when you're there definitely definitely well anything else you want to mention chat about things that we missed not really i think we've kind of covered a lot of it i i think that most people are are mindful of the fact that you need to get on top of the your preparations and getting your vaccine and everything for meningitis quickly so it's just my my best bit of advice is always uh if you're making a plan like this just make sure you plan ahead i think generally speaking that happens because usually this is a you know a once in a lifetime kind of trip and that you don't just you don't spontaneously decide you're going to go do hajj this year usually you've been planning it out for a while in advance so you just need to sort of make sure you get all this you know and think about the, the health part of it and, and and that part of it somewhat in advance and and with your meningitis vaccination is good for three years so i i think you could always make an argument well you could just get that done and over with it's not like it's going to wear off on you you got a you got quite a window of time to get that done definitely yeah it does not seem like the type of trip that you or anyone would be taking on a whim well that's true although i do remember i did have i did have a patient a few years ago pre-pandemic and it did actually turn out. It was just, it was one of these things where it all happened. It all came together very quickly, but I don't (laughs) think I've ever had that ever happen again. It just, I don't even remember all the details, but I'm like, you're just going. He's like, yeah, it just kind of worked out and I'm going, I'm like, okay, sure. Great. But I think that's more the exception than the norm. That's why I remember it because it was unusual. 
Definitely. Yeah. It seems like it seems like uh, there's a lot of ducks to get in a row before you could even potentially, you know, book a flight. Exactly. So, okay. Well, yeah, I don't think I've got anything else. So I think that should be good. Um, anything else you want to add in, Jin? No, I don't think so. I think we we covered sort of the like macro macro points about the pilgrimage from a sort of a health and travel perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for tuning into this week's edition of the Polaris Travel Health Podcast. A reminder that the information and advice that we provided are not a substitute for live medical advice tailored to your itinerary and your medical history. If you have questions or you'd like to book an appointment, please head over to our website, www.polaristravelclinic.ca. Check us out on Twitter at Polaris Travel RX and our Facebook page as well. We hope you'll tune in again with us next week. Thanks, Jaden. Thank you.